welcome back to Rupture Radio, a somewhat, somewhat weekly, uh, idealist, ideally weekly uh, um, uh, podcast uh, looking at news, politics and culture from a, a socialist perspective. Uh, um, we are joined today by Des and Devin uh, um, from People Before Profits Doll Office. Des, you've been working a lot on the, the budget. Uh, um, you would have been the doll researcher for the PBP's alternative budget. Yeah, probably. yeah. Uh, so there was a big area of focus in the last few weeks in the run-up to it. And then during the doll this week, it was heavily uh, budget-focused. So, uh, so yeah, but we're kind of through the and, immediate intensity now. And Devin, this is your, your own, this is your this first is time on the... Uh, Long-time listener, first-time yeah, caller. Yes, that's right. Um, Just been swept swept along yeah. in the whirlwind of the budget, so trying to keep my feet, kind of how it's going right now. And you're just you're just overjoyed with the extra four euro. I, I am I delighted. That is going to buy me uh, <laughs> half a chicken fillet roll or however much that's going to get me now. <laughs> Jesus, is Dublin on that mad? It's can't pretty be. bad. It's it's pretty bad. I've been seeing like some, uh, you see the memes for the 750 chicken fillet roll meals now, which is... Over double Jeez. what I used to pay like five or seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's madness. That is madness. Um, that's the there's the uh, consumer price index. No, it's the <laughs> chicken fill the price of a chicken fillet roll as an economic measure. <laughs> um, uh, I remember that was the the highlight of the Great Depression for me was uh when for a while like chicken fillet rolls were like three quid. You know. Um, so anyway, for, for listeners, we are not talking. This episode isn't a deep dive on the economics of chicken filler rolls. Um, it is a discussion on the budget, um, uh, the government's failed budget, the missed opportunity, uh, um, and uh, talking to Des about some of the PPP's alternative uh, and what could have been done differently uh, um, in this budget. But so, uh, um, so for, first thing, before we do, do, dive into the details um, uh, uh, and the, the like different policies and the, the four euros and all that, um, Maybe we should set the background music. What was the background to this? There was, what was the background to this podcast? To this uh, podcast? No, what was the background to this budget? Uh, um, cost of living crisis, all that yeah, sort of so, stuff. I mean, I'll hop in here. I think the the background to this is just like building economic crisis and cost of living crisis for everyone for the last long time now. Um, so prices going up, energy prices rising. This kind of culminated in cost of living coalition being formed. Um, more and more demonstrations with the national demonstration just happening um, last Saturday, um, where fifteen to 20,000 people took to the streets in Dublin, marched to the doll and kind of demanded that government actually try and do something in the the um, budget. Just on that 15, 20, is that the... Well, you I've heard, heard the, the three, I've it was at least 3,000 by all accounts <laughs> yeah. um, from what was recorded in the <laughs> Irish Times. But um, I think we're we're guessing like... Somebody did a study that's pushing twenty thousand. So um. okay, yeah, because yeah. yeah, who was it? Irish Times or something said three thousand, and then somebody else said thirty thousand. And yeah. um, I don't know. My, my own personal estimation would put it somewhere between fifteen and twenty. I know I was at a previous protest um, in Belfast for um, Law Jarrig, the Irish language protest, and they were saying twenty thousand or so. And like I'd say, it was about that as well. So that's at least what it felt like being there on the day and kind of walking the the length of it um so i'm gonna go 15 to 20 with a large marge that's a pretty large margin of error for me 
I think Ronan McGreevy, wasn't it, in the Irish Times? He, he showed a picture. He got so much criticism. He, he then showed a picture of uh, of the demonstration uh, that he based his three thousand on. But it was it was at Merrion Square when the thing um, had arrived, and you know uh, people had been leaving in large numbers at that stage because it was a long demonstration all the way from uh, the Garden of Remembrance all the way over to, to uh, Merrion Square. Um, so if, if you're going to measure the attendance about half an hour or an hour after it's ended, it's going to look a good bit lower than, than other figures. So I, I equally would have said it was somewhere between fifteen and 20,000. It was, it was huge. Yeah. And that's, that, that puts it like, it's, that's the biggest protest, not since water charges, but probably since repeal. I think, I think at the end uh, of repeal, there was some big, big march for choices uh, uh, that were in and around that same scale. So that's like the biggest protest in maybe five years. I, I would that. say so. I think, you know, the one of the school strikes was was pretty big, but I think this was bigger. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it was it's well up there. Um, you know, I'm quite possibly the biggest since about 2015, I would say. And that's like. Talk a bit about what, what's the what's what are the factors driving that? Um, uh, what are, what's pushing people out onto the streets? Well, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people were uh, really concerned. I mean, we come into this off the back before the cost of living crisis kicked off, like we uh, in Ireland, where we'd already got this very deep housing crisis. You know, rents probably doubled uh-huh. since uh, about twenty twelve. Homelessness over ten thousand. And, you know, a lot of low, uh, high employment, but a lot of low pay and insecure jobs and weak public services across health and education and poor, tran- uh, and poor transport infrastructure. That was kind of the backdrop. But I think the, the um, energy uh, inflation in particular was really scaring people. Uh, data we've got in the PVP budget document saying that energy poverty had reached uh, about 29,000, 29% of households, uh, which would have been around July, August time, and was set to go uh, much higher. Now, the budget has intervened, at least in the, in the short term. Um, so I think there was a real sense of fear amongst people about what was happening, about facing into the, into the winter. Um, uh, and that fueled uh, the, the turnout at the demonstration. Yeah, I think one of the other things as well is just general poverty, like the rates. I think Social Justice Ireland estimated that around like a fifth or like 19% of the population um, is living below the poverty line when housing costs are factored in. That kind of takes in the, the housing crisis and the effect that it actually has on this as well. Yeah. And so, okay, so bills going through the roof. Nobody can afford to rent. Um, nobody can afford to buy, uh, um, and then people are taken to the streets, um, in big numbers, and that's sort of the backdrop to the government's budget, um, and then I see the headlines, uh, but it was a bonanza, uh, uh, biggest giveaway since the, since the Celtic Tiger, uh, breakfast rolls for everybody, um, and it's all sorted, yeah, all good, job done, go, you can all pack up, go home. <laughs> I think perhaps not. Yeah, one of the things it just wrecks my head that so many mainstream commentators, you know, just keep announcing bonanzas. You know, with inflation the way it is, you know, there was has to be big 
monetary increases and all sorts of things to try and keep up. But in most cases, nearly all the increases were at best in line with inflation, in most cases behind inflation. So just because it's a big number, <laughs> it gets announced as a bonanza. But anyway, they, they do what they do. But that, that, you know, the government budget, I think, um, obviously, there was, there was a lot of different uh, measures that they've done, you know, particularly around energy um, and, you know, quite a, a number of one-off payments or double payments of social welfare, uh, children's allowance. Um, there's the €600 Euro energy credit that I think will come in three different chunks over the, the winter months. Um, Just before we jump into the the big details, um, and that's where my brain starts to struggle and my eyes can sometimes glaze over, uh, but but we should do that. We should jump into the 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 the, the bullet points of the key policies. But what's the uh, the government's line is that they've now taken radical action to address this. They've it's the biggest budget in whatever amount of time. Never has so much been spent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what's the obviously we'll go in line by line and and talk each thing. But what's the bigger what's the overarching feeling as to what actually happened on budget day or what's the Narrative, I suppose. Well, I think actually Cliff Taylor did a piece in the Irish Times, which I, I you know, was useful, in which he, he commented that based on the government's own figures, that uh, average living standards would reduce by 3% in 2022 and a further uh, 2% in 2023. So that's a 5% reduction in average uh, living standards, according to Cliff Taylor, on the government's own figures, um, but that's you know that's the average. It's going to Cliff, be Cliff, going to be worse. Cliff Taylor well, is a, a renowned revolutionary Marxist, is well, he? Or? Exactly. You know, this would be a main. Uh, well, no, he would be a mainstream commentator in the Irish Times. I think he's one of their business writers. So this is not a, a radical take at all. It's just reading the the government's own figures. Um, so it is. Um, it, it's a managing down of living standards is what this is. Um, and some of the measures that they've taken is is to try and deal with some of the most street extreme things happening in relation to energy. But it is going to mean a reduction in living standards for most ordinary people. I think that's the bottom line, but, you know, before we get into the detail of it. Yeah, like for, for me, I think that it's like they are on the one hand spending more than ever or they're throwing money at the problem, you know, and there's all these oh, 500 euros, 600 euros for you. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's like like emptying. A, if a ship is taken on water and you're trying to empty it with a cup, you know what I mean? But you're not actually addressing the problem. You know, you can throw money at it. You can give everybody a 200 euro energy voucher or a, and another one and another one. But unless you're addressing the core of the problem, which is that like the energy companies are ripping us off, you can give them an extra 200 euro. They won't go away. Um, uh, uh, unless you're just the core of the problem with price controls, with you know taking energy out of pub, out of the, the the market and having it being publicly run for not not for profit, unless you have that sort of system change, we are going to just end up on this treadmill of keep on throwing money at private landlords and energy companies and hoping that they they resolve the the, the crisis. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, you you, you can't control what you don't own and that's come into very sharp focus on the energy side of things um, so there is and it's something that people for profit have done has have recognized the logic of intervening here that price controls are, aren't enough 
um, that, that you know, you're effectively just pouring uh, money into uh, energy, private energy companies to, to, to subsidize them. Um, so you've got to start taking that infrastructure in, into public ownership. You know, you've got lots of local energy suppliers. You've got, you know, say the carb field for gas. Um, you know, you're still clearly going to have a dependency on buying gas and oil on the international market. And, and for a period, you're going to have to, to do that. Um, and the government will have to subsidize those prices in, in, to make sure it's affordable. Energy is affordable for ordinary people, but this, you know, a lot of the infrastructure that you can start to get control of, and wind energy in particular, bring that into public ownership as well. So you start to decarbonize, start to manage down your energy use as well. You know that the, the climate action plan, as people probably know, is very heavily um, dependent on switching to things like electric cars, but you know it needs be based on switching to public transport, which is by far the most, um, the, the least energy intensive uh, per capita. So switch to that. An emergency program of insulation of, of homes and, and moving into retrofitting of, of the, the housing stock as quickly as possible on an emergency basis to start managing down our need for, for energy, particularly the fossil fuels. Um, so a multi-pronged a strategy like that with public ownership, decarbonisation, investment in uh, renewable energy in, in particular. Yeah, it's that, it's that like, um, it's, I saw the, I'm going to talk about a meme now and I know that that can, ang- that can annoy our audiences, but I, that's, the last time I talked about a meme, it, it, it split our audience, but it's that uh, PBP had a good meme up on their Facebook about like um, a patch on the system, you know, that they were, that guy slapping a patch on a, a leaking water tank, you know, and it is, it's like, unless you change the system, we need system change on these things, on, on energy, on housing. Uh, um, we need to not just be tweaking here and there, but actually, like what you're saying is fundamentally change to a, a different energy system for energy, a different housing system uh, and a different economic system. Uh, and we're sort of seeing that creaking at the, the, the seams now, you know? Yeah, and like, because we've been doing this for years on, on housing, and now it's extending into, into energy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's about a billion a year, I think, at this stage, going in public monies in HAP and, and the RAS scheme as well to landlords. And that will, that, that is just going to keep going because there there is very little building of um, public housing and affordable housing. The, 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 the state is not acquiring homes, Um so, you know, it's just, you know, we've been pumping vast sums into housing for years now. Now we're doing it on the energy sector. Um, and that that is endless. It is no solution. Uh, and that's why the state getting involved in the form of public ownership has to be absolutely central to the strategy. It's a bit like there's like this is a reference to another meme. But, you know, the meme where it's like who killed Hannibal Burgess, the Eric Andre thing, where it's like he shoots Hannibal Burgess and it's like. Who could have done this? It's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little bit applicable to this current situation. Uh, we're just gonna we're gonna degenerate into memes. Welcome to Radio. Radio. Weekly look at memes from a socialist perspective. I <laughs> <laughs> look at memes by people who don't really quite know memes either. Um, uh, no. Anyway, okay. Um, so that's the broad strokes. That's uh, uh yeah of it. What's the uh, um. What's the details? So you were talking about some of the measures. Uh, the 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 what, what, my joke about the four euro is. I think that's people earning under thirty five grand. We get a four euro a week um, tax break or whatever, uh, um, which is 
I don't know if you're, that, that's that's like not no nothing on inflation. Like you know, an extra four euro a week when the rate of inflation is seven percent or something is uh, not going to not going to keep the wolf from the door. But what are the other what are some of the other headlines in the in the budget as to what the government did? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, t- twelve euros per week on on social welfare is one one of the main things. But when it's been quantified, at least. <laughs> 20 euros per week uh, was needed there. That's been quantified by, you know, Social Justice Ireland and I think St. Vincent de Paul. There was just no doubt about what was necessary to protect people, just protect people against inflation. So that's just to to, to hold our ground in terms of living standards. So they've come in with 12, which is way below the uh, level inflation, will mean a reduction in living standards. That That's a, 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 a fact. Um, and that's even, that's like... Uh... That's pensioners, that's unemployed people, that's the yeah. people that... Yeah. Job seekers, yeah, job seekers, uh, pensions. Uh, um, so, um, and, you know, people on disabilities are, are also going to uh, struggle with this as well. So, um, now there, you know, there are those specific one-off measures, such as the 600 euros for energy credits. I think that's going to come in three tranches over the, the winter months. Um, there's... Uh, there's two tax credits for renters of 500 euros each, I think, going through there. But like as night follows day, landlords are going to respond to that, uh, have the opportunity to raise rents. Uh, so that will find its way to landlords in double quick time. Um, and Yeah, I was just going to say, like, even for that as well, like it, the renter's credit excludes everybody who's in receipt of like any sort of housing payment. So like the, that's getting half. Any low pay workers, like if you're earning under 20,000 euros, which I looked up the figures, 35% of tenants are in that bracket. All those can't actually avail of this, um, as well as any tenancy that's not registered with the RTB, which even looking at like the one stories that have come out lately of government landlords that have not had tenancies registered with the RTB. Minister Robert Troy's tenants won't be allowed to get it now because um, but like that I couldn't believe that because like so many landlords are not registered with the RTB uh, um, uh, and I heard like uh, somebody was raising with me the fear that actually if you go if you're a tenant now and you say look I want to claim this and you go to your landlord and you say can you register that people could end up facing eviction because the landlord doesn't want to, to register and they don't want the, the, the tenant to be uh, getting them in trouble like you know but the fear um, of things like housing getting even worse than it already is people want to cling on to whatever housing situation they do have like but so, and so with part of those things I saw them being referred to as almost like trickle up economics uh, in the sense or flow up economics which is that giving the money nominally you're giving it to ordinary people but like it's sort of resting in their accounts on the way to be handed over to the energy companies and the landlords. It's it's really being sucked up by the uh, the landlords and the energy companies. But it's uh, 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 really a subsidy for yeah. the, the rich. Like it's ordinary people are becoming the intermediaries through which public monies are being funneled to landlords uh, and energy companies now in particular. It's you know it's absolutely bar- bizarre uh, inversion of trickle down, but you know floating up and at a you know uh, none of it is staying with with the householder. It's all just gushing up with them solely as intermediaries. So um, yeah, it's it's grotesque. Okay, so income income tax changes. Uh, that are for euro, not like yeah. Uh, social welfare, which is le- less than the rate of inflation, and a couple of one-off payments that will are largely 
going to the energy companies and the landlords because they're not being twinned with sort of price controls or rent controls. Um, uh, uh, what uh, are there any other big headlines um, well, from well, it? One thing that I that, you know, there's this rainy day fund um, that they're popping money into now. I think they're are, are going to bring it to five billion. I think is is the number that they're aiming at in the relatively short term, which I just find absolutely bizarre when you consider that that the government announced uh, a climate emergency in 2019. Um, I think the year before that it was Leo Varadkar referred to homelessness as you know as a housing emergency. These are emergencies, you know, the, 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 um, the climate emergency is a global one. We know Ireland is, is lagging badly on its uh, cutting emissions. Um, it's very, you know, one of the highest emitters uh, in Europe. You know, that's, those are emergencies. Uh, Five billion could pay for, you know, the, the retrofitting that's needed, the insulation that's, uh, that's needed, for rapid development of renewable energy, you know th- those emergencies are there. What you know, what, what rainy day are they waiting for? So that, that that's just incredible that they're that they're doing that at a time like this. They're waiting for the rain to land on the uh, the heads of the rich rather than on ordinary people, I suppose. Yeah, they're waiting. Yeah. They're waiting for another bank bailout. Yeah. <laughs> need the, need um, the terms for that. Wait, wait till when Larry Goodman has financial difficulties, we'll we'll uh, the rainy day fund can be raided. You know. Uh, I saw that they actually they they they've changed it. They're no they no longer want it to be called the rainy day fund. They've they've spun it now. It's renamed like a national reserve or something like that. I think. Um, just kind of like is ominous to me when you hear about this because it also like I don't know it seems to indicate that like they're assuming that this is going to get much worse and so they need to like drip feed like a little bit now so they have like some sort of response that they can give in the future which is just like extremely mm. ominous when things are already this bad I think it's also a recognition that they know they'll never admit it, but that, you know, Ireland is a tax haven and there's just a phenomenal amount of corporation tax flowing through, you know, that is uh, financially completely unsustainable, never mind being morally uh, completely unjustifiable. Um, but they know um, they are relying very heavily on that, leaning on that very heavily now, and they're trying to uh, put in some sort of buffer for when that whole thing collapses which inevitably at most at some point but I think that's part of it as well mm. and then there is also so we're saying that some of these uh, energy credits and rent credits and stuff that in reality will end up lying in the pockets of landlords and energy companies but there's also direct um, uh, corporate welfare 10,000 10, euro towards the energy of big businesses or something like that as well <laughs> Yeah, um, and I don't think, you know, there's any, from what I've seen, I don't think there's any limit on the size of the company. Um, so conceivably, we could be you know, subsidizing very large, very profitable uh, companies for their uh, energy costs. Uh, now the government has said that it doesn't intend that this would go to data centers, but there's nothing in writing anywhere that indicates that that is going to be prevented. So you know, we could have that bizarre the situation of so much of our energy being consumed by data centers um, with the knock-on effects that it's having. Um, and then, you know, public monies being used to subsidize those same data centers for their energy usage, which would be another grotesque aspect, aspect if that does happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other story that seemed to come out of the budget um, was Varadkar talking the day after saying, well, we're doing this now, but we might do more in January or, or February as well. It's, it seems like even they know that like they haven't done, they haven't addressed the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. They seem to know that they're just emptying a sinking ship with a, with a cup of, uh, with a, with a, with a glass, you know? Um, but I wonder if that does reflect a certain, like that's got to be massively politically unstable. If they keep on having to come again and again and, and uh, uh, throw money at this, I wonder, yeah. I wonder what it, because I, I think, you know, that the budget was designed to try and um, pacify people, if you like, in terms of their fears around inflation and, and energy in, in particular. Um, uh, and maybe it will, you know, um, ease concerns in the short term. Um, but the government knows there are big energy bills are going to start dropping in the next few months. Um uh, and that that's going to hurt people when it comes through. They don't know what's going to happen on international uh, energy prices. You know, like we say, they have no control of the energy system even within Ireland. So they're you know completely at the mercy of that uh, private market. So they're just leaving over the possibility that they may, may need to pump more into uh, those private companies. Uh, so uh, I don't think they know, but they're really not. Uh, taking actions that's going to give them greater control um, and, uh, uh, and more stability in the months ahead. Um, you know, it's just more gushes of cash are going to be required if it goes badly. It's also like, I think it's all about the headlines. Like, they're very much bringing in things that people have been kind of building pressure on um, and like in the hope, I think, that people will be like, okay, that's sorted. And we'll take it off. One of the things that like really irked me was the thing about the vacant homes tax. So they're bringing in this vacant home tax. And like, I was like, great, that's like really good. But then when you look at it with, I think the, the latest census figures, it's actually dropped slightly, but it's still at 166,000 vacant properties in Ireland. And that's like nearly 50,000 have them vacant for like six years. And it's like, okay, these are going to be properly taxed. But then when you look into it, it's like, no, actually, it's firstly, it's all entirely self-assessed. It doesn't apply to any that are like considered derelict properties um, and also properties that are recently sold or listed as for sale or rent or exempt. So um, as well as anything listed for sale, listed for sale or rent, sure. yeah. which is like, obviously, you've a property that you're sitting on and then you're like, OK, I'm going to put this up for rent for 10,000 euros yeah, a week. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's so... Oh, that's and obviously famously, uh, like the owners of vacant properties are very studious and will, of course, they'll they'll definitely self-declare and make sure they'll make sure that they pay that tax. Like you know, um, so. they 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 had a little footnote in it that said we don't expect this measure to yeah. It was raise like they said like some minuscule amount. They were like it's not going to actually raise very much. I think they said like to a couple of million or something like that. Yeah, and it's like just looking at the landlords in the doll alone i think the, the ditch established that there was 15 landlord tds i think were all government or government supporting tds who ha- had failed to comply with either the rtb or with the register of interest you know just a phenomenal level of non-compliance it just struck me that there was 15 of them um uh, because the PVP rent reductions bill was defeated in July by 14 votes. I just thought it was ironic <laughs> that those numbers uh, they yeah. fell the way they were. So, uh, and that's just among 
public reps who you'd imagine are a bit more um, vigilant on these things. So who knows what the level of uh, non-compliance is out there. I'd imagine it's massive. But it is interesting that like the fact that they're doing something called a vacant homes tax is like they, they see that it's popular. They see that the left is pushing it. And similarly, they announced some stuff with uh, like the, the free school books. I think it's I think is it only in primary school? Only in primary but school. But that's yeah. been but that's been something that the left has been like it's a no brainer that the left has been championed for a long time. Uh, um, they're doing it in kind of a half arsed way a bit, where it's just they will fund it, but the, like it, that money will also just be going to the Bolins and the those big uh, uh, private education companies rather than just directly producing history books and putting out the profiteers. But um, but like the fact that they are doing some things that are like they're not traditional Fine Gael or Fine Gael policies. They're like they're like they're like a pale imitation of stuff the left has been calling for for a long, long time. It is it is interesting. It shows how much I think like left and socialist ideas are getting an echo that even um Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are trying to uh not not copy it, but like trying to have the headline so that it looks like they're 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 doing it like yeah. Yeah, and I think the hospital overnight charges in public hospitals was another one was in that same space, you know, because it's another one of our bugbears that, you know, that we have, um, well, you know, a two-tier system and then the public system is badly uh, under-invested in and then it's riddled with all sorts of, of charges, which just undermines the, the the entire concept. So, But you're right, yeah, you know, I think the government parties are clearly feeling the pressure. Um, you know, they can feel it on the streets, probably in their constituency offices, uh, et cetera, particularly in recent months. So I think they are trying to do things to try and dampen down that um, dissatisfaction with, with their performance. And it's working. Like that, that, is not, not, as in the pre- that shows that the pressure is working. The, the 15,000, 20,000 on the streets push the government to do things that they wouldn't have previously done. You know, they, the pressure from below, they're giving concessions that they wouldn't have previously done. Actually, the the last detail that I saw and I didn't I don't know hopefully somebody knows there's something about childcare are they doing some stuff with childcare as well childcare fees they yeah, said there'd be a reduction yeah. but I don't think there was any like backup maybe Des actually knows more about that um I I 170 euros a month I think is the uh, subsidy that is going to go in there now the the one you know thing that's a little better than some of the other things they're doing. I think they are kind of effectively capping prices of childcare. So I think it would be di- more difficult for crashes to bump up prices in response. Uh, but I think that works out at about 170 euros a month per child. Uh, t- maybe, maybe that's 20% of of uh, the, the cost because that has become a huge issue. People are paying a 1,000 or more uh, per child per month for childcare, it's absolutely a crippling cost to people. So I think it's another one where they were feeling the pressure uh, and they felt they had to do something. But again, you know, it's not doing anything about establishing a, you know, a state-based childcare system, which is urgently needed. I think it also doesn't really do anything. I think the, the main thing people are pointing out, it doesn't do anything to address, like, just the issue of actually having childcare workers. Like, it's the same as the teachers issue in Dublin, where, like, it's just unaffordable for young teachers to actually live in Dublin, so they move outside. And so there's a crisis of just staff numbers in Dublin, especially people get sick, like people are currently covering over what they shouldn't be covering. And especially in childcare, like early childcare, that's like the numbers are much lower because it takes a lot more care 
to mind young children. Um, and that really Ooh, doesn't do anything to, to address that, which is the systemic issue of the housing and cost of living crisis. We'll all be moving to you in to Leitrim. Back to Leitrim right. now. That's the... <laughs> um, just need to get a train uh, up there somewhere. But... <laughs> I don't. I, I I could not point out to you on a map where Leitrim is. That's how bad my knowledge of Leitrim is. Um, um, okay, so um, what was I saying? So okay, that's all what the government's doing. Um, what could have been done? Um, uh, uh, like. Okay, we're saying they, they should have addressed the root causes of this. Instead of just throwing more money at energy companies, they should have public ownership of the energy companies. Or instead of uh, uh, just subsidizing creches, you should have a national childcare service. But, like, is that just a pipe dream? Is that, like, is that possible? Uh, um, Des, I know you sort of crunched some of the numbers on, like, what would it, what would it, could you highlight some of maybe the key opportunities missed in this budget? Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, kind of, Open with the numbers, you know, the PBP budget, for example, that 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 we worked on, has revenue raising um, actions there in our uh, above and beyond what the government would do of just over thirty four billion, you know, which is a huge number compared to what you hear from 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 the government, um, and spending additional spending of thirty two point six billion. Um, but to you know, get a sense then of, of what. Uh, could could be done there, and I'll come back to how you raise that because uh, you know it, it's 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 entirely doable if there's a political will to do it. But uh, on on the energy side of things, so you know the, the, we're talking about putting in um, caps on energy prices to so bring prices back to what they were. I think around August 2021, before the the, the current crisis kicked off. Um, uh, and, and give people a thousand euros of an uh, electricity credit um, to each principal private residence is how we would propose to do that, and that would be cutting out the second on multiple homes. Um, but also w- within our the, the budget proposals is a proposal to nationalise the the energy sector to start taking uh, public control. You know that you run that uh, on a on a not for profit basis. So it, it's an interesting aspect that. Uh, the, the ESB, which is still, you know, a, a, a state, ultimately a state-owned company, but it now operates with a commercial remit and has for a couple of decades now, all very much part of the neoliberal agenda. It was moved off its not-for-profit uh, remit onto a commercial remit. So it, it, it acts and it prices like a private company in, in many ways because, you know, it, it remit its remit requires it to do so. So you've got to shift that uh, for, back to being a not-for-profit uh, energy company that's uh, providing a public good for the benefit uh, uh, of society, and you know, and fold all these other private energy suppliers into that state-controlled entity. And like, I saw figures recently that like back in the nineties. Before they deregulated and privatized and uh, ESB and all that, um, Ireland had the cheapest electricity in the EU. And I believe now, after two decades of neoliberal reform and liberalization and market competition and all of that stuff that was meant to be good for us, uh, we have some of the most expensive electricity prices. Uh, um, it's just like uh, when you run things not for profit, uh, um, uh, uh, without massive marketing departments and like 
special introductory offers and, and like people phoning you up and knocking on your door trying to get you to buy electricity. When you do, when you do run things, actually just providing affordable electricity to people at a, to cover your costs, you can actually do it in a much more efficient and affordable way than, than, yeah. than the market. No? And, 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 and the investment, there was some very interesting uh, work done recently. I think Sinead Mercier um, and some others, um, and looking at the ESB in the 20s and 30s and just how ambitious it was, like Ardna Krusha, um, that project uh, of the time, was world-renowned for its ambition, its scale, um, and the way it, uh, you know, at that with the ESB it brought electrification uh, and transformed a country that was, you know, um, you know, so low in that sort of infrastructure and way behind in, internationally, and to, into to being a, a world leader and uh, very much brought it into the first world, if we can use that uh, sometimes problematic uh, terminology. But it was, you know, incredible what was achieved at that time. And yet, the, you need that sort of ambition uh, in terms of investment, along with you know the, the short-term caps uh, and, and getting prices back through affordable. But you need to be investing in the renewable energy. Um, and the retrofitting and all these types of things to have a similar sort of massive transformation uh, as what was achieved in some of these areas in the past. And that would also help not just tackle the cost of living crisis, but the other big impending crisis hanging over our heads, which is the, the climate crisis. Having a public energy company would be indispensable to, to, uh, to that uh, to a transition to a carbon-free future, uh, absolutely, because there's so much we need to to achieve there. I, I, again, some data I just saw recently from Hannah Daly, who's a senior academic in this area, I think uh, UCD or ECU. But you know, looking at the underperformance in relation to the early parts of the first carbon budget from 2021 to 2025, now saying that uh, I think. Um, residential emissions need to reduce by about 15% per year from next year onwards, you know, which is far beyond anything we've even got close. The industry industry sector, I think it's 16% reductions needed. Uh, electricity sector, I think it's 17% per annum from next year onwards. We haven't got remotely close to anything like yeah. that in the past. And there's nothing in the Climate Action Plan um, to suggest uh, the, the sort of step change that's going to be needed there. So that's the level of pr problem we've got. So your ambition and your investment, if you're going to do that, needs to be on a whole other level uh, to anything that's um, been mooted by the government so far. Mm -hmm. And so, so, okay, so energy, PVP's pr budget proposed um, price controls and public ownership. And I believe there was a... a money set aside for uh, 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 all of that as well. But what else, what were the other highlights for you of two or three big things that like were the, the big changes that could have been done in this, in this budget? If only we had a a, a government, a left government with socialist yeah. policy. It's kind of three categories, three other categories uh, that I'd break the budget, uh, our budget document out into housing, public services, uh, and protecting income. So on housing, um, you know, obviously that's the, another massive dimension dimension of our crisis. So so we're talking about you know an additional fourteen thousand. 14,000 houses per year, above and beyond what the government has planned, and the government isn't even delivering on its own plans. Um, you know, so uh, 7,000 new builds, uh, 3,000 um, 
vacant houses acquired split between Dublin and, and around the rest of the country. The acquisition of 4,000 homes, um, for particularly focused on people who might be facing eviction um, into homelessness, you know, so people who are on HAP or RAS tenancies, you know, buying those uh, homes to make sure that they can't go into uh, uh, homelessness. And, we, you know, there, there would be a, a ban on evictions would be reintroduced uh, as part of what we're doing as well. Um, and just the, the other aspect we include in the budget is a reference again to the rent reductions bill of, of July that unfortunately was defeated. But that, you know, we would ensure that people don't pay the, any more than 25% of their income on rent. So I think that would be a really important provision that would be transformational for hundred, literally hundreds of thousands of renters in, in this country. So I think they're big moves uh, that could make a real difference, you know, in the relatively short term on housing. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, again, system change. That's saying that instead of just throwing money and subsidizing a failing private rental market, instead we will move uh, to a system of public provision of housing and where private rents are linked to or rents are linked to people's incomes rather than do like whatever a landlord can get away with charging. So it's a, is that like trying to address the root cause, change the system uh, um, rather than just uh, sort of throw money at the problem and, and yeah. uh, hope it goes away? And I, I think another big you know, systemic change in the housing market as well is that, you know, for the corporate landlords, I mean, they're, literally their properties need to be yeah, who, I, I, I heard that the poor, I heard the poor corporate landlords on on Joe Duffy or what was it on the the, the the day after the budget? It was half an hour of landlords talking about how this budget didn't help them. Actually, can we not have, a, can we not have a, a minute silence for the poor landlords forgotten yeah. by Fine Gael? Yeah. Um, and the landlords that are leaving basically they're cashing in on just the incredible housing prices is what's what's driving that. Um, but the corporate landlords are now such a huge player. I saw again data. I saw I think in the first quarter of this year. Two-thirds of new homes uh, in Ireland were acquired by corporate entities. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And that, that all that housing stock has to be taken into public ownership. You know, there is no role for corporate landlords of housing. Uh, you know, it, it should never happen. And we would be ending that as part of our, you know, systemic structural change to the housing market. And some of the other stuff. Um... That's housing, energy, um, and then in terms of childcare, healthcare, stuff like that. Uh, um, what if if you were minister for finance, Des Henley now, um, uh, uh, or commissar for the treasury or something? I don't know. Um, but what what could be done? What 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 was um what was in the documents in terms of uh, yeah. that? I think the big hitters there would be is is a, a state provided uh, childcare system uh, that would provide free childcare. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something that uh, it needs to be done. Um, on health, you know, we would end the two tier health system like it's just been, you know, a, a bugbear uh, in this state for for decades. You know, end that. Um, you know, take the private hospitals into public ownership as well. Add that to the capacity to build a real national health system across the you know uh, across the thirty two counties. Um, in, in education, um, you know, uh, getting rid of a lot of those charges that that apply. You know, at third level, voluntary contributions are still there. You know, uniforms. You know, make it free education. You know, make the words match um, what's happening in practice. 
And of course, then free public transport. And we've been talking a lot about this. Um, and I think something that there's, there's actually a motion going to be coming up in the Dáil next week where there'll be an interesting debate where there's a call for from some of the independent uh, TDs, uh, Catherine Connolly, Joan Collins and some others looking for free public transport. And we'll be very strongly supporting that uh, because that's part of the climate agenda as well. It, there's no reason why that shouldn't be done immediately. It's essential immediately. Free public transport, whilst investing to buy hundreds more buses, extend the rail network uh, as quickly as possible as well. But uh, So there, there would just be briefly some of the big um, things we do in relation to public services. Um, and, and just to finish out that bit, and you know, uh, protecting incomes and, and abolishing poverty. You know, we have more than enough wealth in this country to abolish poverty, and what a thing to do! And it can be done. Um, so, it's, you know, the People for Profit budget document undertakes to increase social welfare payments weekly to three hundred euros and going to three fifty the following year. Um, a disability going to 350, um, recognising the, the additional costs that are associated uh, for people living with disabilities. Um, and things like, you know, the, the living wage at, at 15 euros, uh, they may, that may have to go up again with inflation the way it is, but at least that. Uh, and a public sector pay deal worth 10% at least to make sure people are protected against inflation. Um, and retirement at 65, you know, there's this, you know, the, the, these constant attempts by the government to push up the retirement age, this thing of pushing people, allowing people to uh, retire at, um, you know, 70 instead of 66, you know, giving people an option. When we know they're just going to devalue retirement at pensions at 66 so much that people will have no choice but to work to, to 70. Um, so end all that. People get a good pension at 65 um, and again, something that is well affordable if there's a political will to do it. So, um, yeah, I think I'd you know probably give those as the the key headlines of of what PPE, PPP intends to do in terms of additional spending commitments to build the sort of society we want um, that would involve a massive system change to get there. I think the main thing, like for me, is like the government is really relying on the headlines for this. Like they're just trying to spin it in the best way that they can to, to try and say we're dealing with all these things, but then not actually making any meaningful action. Like they're, we're going to deal with the climate crisis, but the dealing with the climate crisis is just a small increase in the carbon tax, which is obviously a regressive tax as it is. Saying we're going to, you know. Did did that go up in this budget again? It did, as well? yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, it's We're going to like increase retrofitting. We're going to make sure that that's happening. But now retrofitting is going to have to be paid all up front. So if you are do have the, the will and the urge to retrofit, it's great. But you have to pay it all up front. And then you have to try and claim back that money that you pay, which obviously people can't afford during a cost of living crisis. We're going to include like IVS on the public system. But actually, we're not going to allocate a single cent for it, and it's not going to come into effect until September 2023. Same with the vacant homes tax and just everything else that is going on. Um, I think the funniest, like, not the funniest, it just well, made me... Just, on. just one thing, on the IVF thing, I think that is the most brutal thing I can imagine, is to say, oh yeah, we're planning on now starting to provide public funding to IVF, and we'll start maybe in a year's time. It's like, precisely to people who, like, they're literally they have a clock ticking. You're up against 
to the time and you're like, oh, am I, am I now supposed to wait an extra year in the hope of, do you know what I mean? What do I, you know, it's just such a cruel and unusual way of dealing with that. Like, you know, as opposed to just saying like other measures they announce and they say, we're going to do it. We're going to, if they increase the price of cigarettes, they increase it that night. It's the very next day you go and you pay more, you know, whereas other things they say, oh yeah, we'll wait, a, we'll wait a year or two years before we actually do that. And it must be so frustrating for, uh, for people trying to have uh, uh, kids that are, you know. Yeah. I did the the funny thing, but also made me angry. Is like Finafall's TikTok. I was following them on the day of the budget. They posted a TikTok that was like budget day, all the great headlines of today. And I think they only got like something like five headlines. Like I think there was boost for the family, welfare boost, energy boost, budget lifeline for pensioners, and then budget splurge. But then when you go and look at the headlines, the night of the budget and the day after the budget, it's all the reactions to the budget where people are saying this isn't enough. Um, some of my like favorite quotes is one that made the headline in the examiner was like, it's crumbs really nice, but not enough. Um, and people are saying 42 euro increase. I could spend that on a single meal in Dublin city. Um, oh. And like people realize that this is really nothing meaningful and it's not going to be anything that's actually combating the, the price increases due to inflation. Um, but that's all the, the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael want to do is to try and say, well, we have, done all these things and that's sorted now until the pressure builds up again that they have to we have to force them to to try and make some sort of actual meaningful change i think that hits the nail on the head like that this is crumbs from the table um and it's time that we fight and demand and organize to get the the full cake like you know and but on that uh, there's so all of these things we could we could do and it's costed and it's budgeted for by pvp in terms of how you could fund um, free childcare, free healthcare, uh, um, uh, uh, education, and uh, uh, solve the housing crisis and the, uh, uh, tackle the climate crisis and all that. But but what? How how is that funded? Where where's the money coming from? Show show me the money. To quote um, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and you know um, this is numbers. You know this is kind of socialist accountancy. <laughs> we'll come back to the politics again. But you know there's when you look at the numbers. Um, you know so that I think uh, the cost of all the those things and, and the other things that are in the budget document comes to about 32 uh, billion, a huge amount of money, uh, as opposed to the mm-hmm. government's, I think on a like-for-like like basis, they're at about 10 or 11 billion. So it's massively greater than that. And we've explained why that's necessary. But there's, in terms of where that money comes from, um, there's about 8.7 billion basically in the government's, you know, pipeline that that's collected or is going to be uh, collected uh, above and beyond what they had planned for like with a huge sum in there already so 8.7 we would put that at um there's kind of three big measures that we propose that between them raise uh, almost 11 billion um so one of them is to um introduce a wealth tax you know we don't have a wealth tax in this country so a wealth tax of 2% on the top five uh, the wealthiest five percent of householders you know and excluding a family home with a value of up to a million that that would raise 5.9 billion euros this you know it's a huge amount of money just that one measure um increasing prsi rates for higher earners and for uh, employers to to get in line with the Euro- european norm you know we're, we're quite low on those prsi rates in this country um Going up to the norm would bring in another 2.4 billion. Um, and then four new uh, higher earners uh, income tax rates. 
Um, so for people earning over 100,000 a year, new rate of 50% going up to 55, going to 60, and then 65 for people earning over 275,000. But that would raise 2.5 billion. So those three alone gives you almost 11 billion euros, uh, which is you know a huge sum of money from from those. Um, and that's the thing. Like the listen to the government, you'd swear there wasn't. Oh, where's the magic money tree or whatever? But literally, just there in the space of two minutes, dealing with just a couple of taxes that are modest enough to be taxing people earning over a two two hundred and seventy-five thousand euro, taxing them sixty-five percent. That I, I'm I'm almost certain if you check the rates of tax paid in the USA in the 1960s, it's probably even higher than that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the rates of tax being paid by people earning that in Denmark or Sweden is probably even worse. So they're modest enough in, in reality tax flow for people on you know, quarter of a million uh, plus, you know. Uh, but those couple of modest measures can bring in like the kind of money needed to have a transform health, transform education, transform housing. Yeah. Um, and those are costed on, all on based on Department of Finance, central bank data, um, responses we've got to, you know, parliamentary questions that you could submit, you know, to, to get costings on things. So it's all based on the government's... Um, Their own figures. Uh, uh, figures. So it's, in, you know, that, that's robust stuff. The other one I, I just mentioned as well is um, corporation tax. So we've got an additional 10 billion above and beyond coming in there, um, which comes from, there's a few, you know, there's quite a few moving parts on that. The corporation tax in this country, the effective rate there is 6%, uh, and it has been for some years now. It's not the 12.5% uh, or the 15% that they've gone to. There's so many loopholes and write-offs that they can do. The effective rate is 6%. So our budget document says we're going to go to a 20% corporation tax, going to close all the loopholes and everything else, so it's going to be an effective corporation tax of 20%. So that's more than tripling that. Now, you know, if you got that... Uh, on all the profits that are there currently, you, you, you get raise an extra forty six billion euros. But you know that's not going to happen. What we're basically doing there is shutting down Tax Haven Ireland because tax. You know um, that two, two seconds. That is, if corporations in Ireland paid the same rate of tax as a like as the bottom PAYE as the low PAYE, the basic rate of PAYE is twenty percent. So if corporations paid the same greater tax as like as 20% as 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 low paid PAYE workers then that would bring in 46 billion obviously you're not banking on that you, you, but but that that's the scale of their tax yeah. avoidance so it would that would moving that up to 20% would right. bring in an additional 46 so on top of the 20 that's there so 66 billion in total revenue uh, but what what we're also recognizing is that there you know that there would be in you know, that that's a, ch- a chunk of that is speculative. Yeah. A chunk of that is fake yeah. money. Like it's, it's it, like it's profit shifting that's been shifted into Ireland for tax reasons, yeah. and it would shift out again. You know, um, now it would take you know probably a year or two or three for for to fu- fully sh- shift, but you would get a, a chunk out. And it's worth. I was looking at missing profits dot dot world is actually yeah. When you count that in when you count in that some of it will shift, etc. Uh, what do you what figure do you come out at uh, as 
as being an actual reliable increase so in corporation? We, we think that um, you, you get an additional 10 billion in year one. Um, you know, that I think the maths in that works out that about half the profits would shift away in, in year one, um, but that, you know, that, that wouldn't be gone instantly. So you would actually, because the, the effective rate is going up so much, even though there's a lot of profit shifting back out uh, of the country, you would still gain and you would be of the order of, of 10 billion in, in year one. It would ramp down, you know, beyond that as well as the tax haven Ireland is, is shut down. But that's something that has to happen because, you know, it's not going to last anyway. And morally, it's completely indefensible. So there is 10 billion is, is our assumption, uh, I think, that's re- which is reasonably conservative versus a, a, a straight line calculation of 46 mm-hmm. billion. Um, so that that's in there as well. Um, so and then, you know, there's a series of smaller um, taxes that we're proposing that would come to another five billion or or so. So between all of that, you you, you come to the 34 billion um, that uh, is entirely realizable again if the political will is to do mm. it. Um, but I think I think one of the points there is that look, if you had, if we had a left government in Ireland that was committed to these kind of socialist policies, uh, um. Uh, uh, and you did genuinely rip up the tax haven status, tax the rich, uh, um, and start, you know, bringing into public ownership the energy, the corporate landlord properties, ta- you know, sh- system change on housing and healthcare. And all. If you did that, that these the the ruling class, the super rich, and their friends will uh, will will not go quietly. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so such a left government will face like massive opposition. So we should be. Like this is, on the one hand, this reads like a very, oh, if we just do this, we tax this, we spend that. But actually, this is a, uh, this is a, a call to arms, call to action. Uh, a left government that, re- that really tried to do this would, would have to be prepared, mass people power movements, prepared to, to really take on and take power out of the hands of that, that 1%, um, to really make this real, to make this viable. Yeah. And, you know, writing a document like this necessarily, you know, it's kind of hard to fully bring through uh, the politics that lies behind this because um, the resistance from capital to this would be enormous. You know, we would be breaking all sorts of EU rules and frameworks, um, IMF rules, the OECD rules, you know, you would be in conflict with capital on, on multiple fronts. Uh, and to be able to take that on and win that, you would have to have a mobilized society of ordinary people, of workers, of students, um, you know, uh, of every part of your that of the 99% would have to be mobilized in, in order to take that that on and uh, work, you know, to push forward a government like that uh, and enable it to carry through uh, its, its program. So um, it, it involves, you know, a, a huge challenge and that revolution uh, uh, really to, to make it happen. So, you know, the, the words on paper can't necessarily capture all that, but that is... Is what has to happen. What's the cost? Co- Do we do a costings of revolution? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it> was- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a contingency, um, contingency funding. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, um, there's our there's our episode title. Uh, um, <laughs> no, uh, so uh, maybe I think that is good. That's a good place to end it on. As that that we have, there is an alternative. 
Um, but it's not an alternative that will just happen. If you want to see that alternative, you need to get involved and and uh, uh, make that revolution happen. You know. Uh, um, on that note, I know that the next big call to action is uh, November twelfth uh, for the, the the major round of nationwide cost of regional cost of living protests around the country. Uh, um, so do check out those and get involved. And we have seen that the last round of protests, that pressure on the government, they felt it uh, um, and they were forced to give concessions. But we need to keep up that pressure and build that movement for the system change that we need. Uh, um, so uh, uh, maybe we'll, should we leave it on that note? And uh, thanks, thanks a million, uh, uh, Des and Devon, for, for joining and for all the info, information and insights. Thank you. Right. Yeah. 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 Y